welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com and the Pewter Report podcast. It is a Tuesday edition of the show. want to thank everybody for joining us this afternoon. We got a very fun topic to get into because the Bucks, it sounds like, are targeting edge rushers early in this year's draft maybe not round one necessarily maybe so we'll get into all of that and some of the latest news that has uh, pertained to the tampa bay buccaneers most notably some top 30 visits of a uh, couple couple different players on both sides of the football that uh, the bucks might be interested in so i'm your host matt matera joined with me is the man of pewterreport.com SR Scott Reynolds. Scott, how are you doing this afternoon? Are you ready to talk some Bucks football? Yes, I am. It's it's a defensive day. It's always it's always fun. I, I'm throwing my mic cord everywhere here. I'm excited. This is going to be the best Peter Report podcast we've ever done. We're like a minute and 20 seconds into it. Already feels like it's a winner, Matt. We're talking edge rushers today. We, we've had a defensive tackle come in the building today in a, in a top 30 visit. Um, and another edge rusher. Holy smokes. I mean, it, I, I don't say this is a holiday, but it feels like a holiday today. It's definitely going to be a holiday for head coach Todd Bowles. There's no disguising he's a defensive guy. That's how he made his bones in this league, formerly the defensive coordinator of the Buccaneers before taking over last season when Bruce Arians uh, decided to step down as he said succession, which is fitting because the show yep. is currently airing on HBO at the moment. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ed Rusher is a overall Bit of a hot topic when it comes to the Buccaneers, just based on what they have going on at the moment with Edge Rusher, with Joe Tryon Shoenka and um, and re-signing Anthony Nelson, and of course the injury to Shaq Barrett. We'll talk yeah. about all of that, but let's get to the top 30 news first, Yeah, Scott. Um, the most recent one, obviously, we just uh, about to put it up. We put it up on pewterreport.com. Yep. Uh, one of them is a center. Um. From Oklahoma, offensive lineman Chris Murray, he visited yep. with the Bucks on Monday. And then today, on Tuesday, someone that we've been familiar with, uh, most notably watching him at the Senior Bowl, Double uh, A, we'll call him, from Northwestern, an interior defensive tackle. Adetomiwa Adeboware. Okay. Adetomiwa Adeboware. I've been practicing. Good. So, yeah, yeah he is He's the latest guy to come in for a, a top – 30 visit. I'm dropping the story here that you wrote, Matt, into the chat. So be sure to check that out. Um, so yeah, the, the Buccaneers had uh, Adebowari in for a visit. Uh, the funny thing is, is at six foot two, 282 pounds. I know he played defensive tackle inside at the senior bowl. And I think for a four, three, one gap penetrating team, I think he could play inside, but He's super strong. He's very fast. He timed extremely well. He had a 4.49 in the 40-yard dash at 282 pounds. Uh, with all due respect, I know that that uh, Nolan Smith, the Georgia edge rusher, outside linebacker who was was in town yesterday visiting the Bucks on a top 30 visit, he ran a 4.39, but that was at 238 pounds, I believe. Mm. Okay, that's not as impressive as. Adeboare running a 449 at 282 pounds. And he had a 37 and a half inch vertical 
a 10 and a half foot broad jump, 27 uh, bench reps, um, uh, 225 pounds. Um, the, the testing just validates the explosiveness that this guy has. Now, I, I, I'm a little uh, about the production, uh, but I'm telling you, I, I think there's a place for Adeboare in the Bucks defense. I don't necessarily believe it's, it's as an early down run defender inside a defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he can't do it, but the way this guy's frame is, he's got a very tiny waist and very <laughs> tiny hips. He's rocked up. He's a very muscular guy, but you can see how lean he is. And he doesn't have that six foot six length that Logan Hall has where you can say, oh, put on 15 pounds, Matt. This guy, I think if he hits 290 pounds, that that might be as big as, as he is. And at 6'2, you know, you're looking at a guy who's as tall as, say, you know, Nacho was, Raheem Nunez Roches, who's now with the Giants. So um, I'm not going to rule him out as, as an edge rusher, Matt. You look at, at him at 282 pounds, you've got some longer, leaner guys in Carl Nassib, who's a free agent, mm-hmm. and Anthony Nelson at 275. We're talking the seven pound differential, but uh, a, a shorter, more compact frame at 6'2 rather than. Six seven like Nelson is, and six six like like Carl Nassib is. So um, I wouldn't write this guy off as as an edge rusher candidate in Tampa with the position flexibility to go inside as a nickel rusher as a defensive tackle. I just think that that uh, th- there's there's some clay that you can mold here with this guy, but as a down in down out three down lineman Todd Bowles type defensive tackle, I just don't see it. Yeah, because one of the things that he kind of struggles with is dealing with double teams, where if you're going to line up as an interior defensive lineman, you're obviously going to have a lot more trouble there than versus on the outside. Uh, Some of his stats, so he played four years at Northwestern, but he really, his sophomore, junior, and senior years, like when he really got playing time and played in pretty much every single game, he had 97 tackles, 24 and a half tackles for loss, 12 and a half sacks, four forced fumbles, and an interception to go with that as well. So, yeah, I mean, I remember watching him at the senior bowl thinking, man, this guy is really fast, like pretty fast for Dean Lyman. And then I started like looking him up more and I'm like, oh damn, like he plays more edge rusher than anything else. And even, you know, PFF, the draft network, a a lot of different draft sites, they have him, you know, as an edge rusher. And I think it's interesting when you compare it to the Bucks outside linebacker room at the moment, you have Mm -hmm. the, Lanky guys, like you talked about with Anthony Nelson, Joe Tryanchenko, while yep. physically insane, also yep. has that length. Shaq yep. Barrett is much more on the six one, six yeah, two. He's on, you know same height as as Double A here. Exactly, yeah. On on the shorter side, and then Camco. We'll see if he makes the team, but we yep. know his story. Small, but got that speed. So you, right. you got the two lanky guys, and we'll see if the Bucks want to pair another shorter guy to kind of go with Shaq Barrett. I mean. We know Todd Bowles loves speed. Speed is super important. That's why yeah. they drafted Logan Hall last year. One, because of his height, but also right. the quick first step that he brought. I just remember thinking about how we were going into the season with JTS, Logan Hall, some of the other guys on the defensive line. It's like, all right, these guys could be playing center in basketball, just swatting all these right. shots. Like that's <laughs> That was a big thing that the Bucs wanted yeah. to come back. Because remember, when the Bucs were stopping the run left and right, yeah. teams were throwing short on them. So it was like, all right, let's right. get those hands up. Let's knock yeah. some of that down. Then the run game faltered a little bit more last year. So not that the Bucs are getting back to basics, but you know they want speed on the D-line. They, they have do. speed at linebacker with Devin White. 
They have yep. speed with like Jamel Dean and Anton Winfield Jr. Uh, at defensive back and corner and safety, respectively. So uh, I'm all about speed. I, I think it'd be interesting to get him in there. Um, does have a couple different pass rushing moves, solid with his leverage overall. Yep. You can't teach height, though, and that's obviously something that is a bit concerning. Right. But interesting prospect. And, and you sure. know what? That's why going to the Senior Bowl and looking at these guys, standing right next to them, right? Like like uh, when I had a chance to interview Carl Brooks, who was very similar to yeah. uh, to Adebowari. He was an edge rusher at between 280 and 300 pounds at Bowling Green. But they moved him inside. And you know what? I have to give the senior bowl a lot of credit. Thomas Incombe, who was an edge rusher at Central Michigan, moved inside. Yaya Diaby, who had yeah. 270, 275 pounds, was an edge rusher at Louisville. They moved him inside to give these guys a look to see for teams that maybe don't want a, a 270, 280-pound, 300-pound edge rusher. What, what can they do inside? Can they play de defensive tackle? And you looked at a guy like Carl Brooks at 304 at the senior bowl. And you're like, yeah, you're, you're a defensive tackle. You look like it. You, you act like it. You show it on the field in practice. You can see it. But then you look at a guy like double a who is not built like an NFL defensive tackle. Um, and you see some of these guys, Kalaja Kansi, another one from, uh, from Pitt. Um, I, I like double a better than I do. Kansi, especially for this defense, because he has the ability to play some outside for you. And, um, you know, it's important to get these guys in the building. It's important to take a look. It's important to get Nolan Smith from Georgia in the building at 6'2", 238, and say, are you big enough to play on the outside and do some of these things and talk to them and have that face-to-face -face and kind of size these dudes up? Because, trust me, <laughs> players look bigger, and sometimes they look a little smaller when you're watching college football, uh, whether it's uh, you know from a press box, whether it's from the stands, or whether it's on TV, but when you see these guys in person in your building or on the sidelines at a senior bowl practice, it you know you get you get a, a better feel for their their physical composition and can they put on some weight? Can they lose some weight? You know those types of things. That's what kind of concerns me a little bit is the fact that like we're still talking about Logan Hall putting on more weight and how he's going to look next season so as shaggy says aa got that lb build but yeah i mean northwestern they they play in the big 10 so he's obviously going up against pretty good competition but you look at northwestern compared to the titans of the big 10 and obviously the top the top teams in the sec as well and you're like all right well can this can this guy hang with with the big boys really yeah. and I, I thought he really did at the senior ball and, he really did i mean yeah. he, he really stood out i think he and, and carl brooks uh were, were the two and also Yaya Diaby, those three guys yes, were the most explosive Yaya. players that I saw on a practice-to-practice -practice basis. And uh, so, you know what? Um, I'm not going to doubt Todd Bowles for figuring out a way to maybe use uh, a player like like uh, Adebowari because he does have some position flexibility. You you can't really say that with a guy like Nolan Smith, who is at 6'2", 238. He is smaller than Cam Gill. And he is an outside linebacker, and and that's it, right? Um, I don't think you want to make him an inside linebacker because he just doesn't have the the film or the experience for that. Uh, and we'll talk about the edge rushers a little bit later, but I'm just telling you, um, having a guy like like Adebowari and Nolan Smith in the building, and there's going to be some others, and there have been some others, I'm sure, the outside linebackers, because Matt, they they, they interviewed at the combine formally. Um, Will McDonald from Iowa State, 
Felix Enodike Ozama from Kansas State, Isaiah McGuire from Missouri, Derek Hall from Auburn, Auburn and Yaya Diaby from Louisville. That, that's a lot of positions to use those uh, those formal visits on. A lot of players at one position. And it, and it screams to me, and I've not heard any confirmation from this from the team, but maybe I've heard some silence, which sometimes you got to interpret things. Um, I just have to wonder that this team is is extremely concerned about Shaq Barrett. I could be wrong, but I, we don't have a timetable about if he's going to be ready for training camp. If he's going to be ready for OTAs, probably not. But is he going to be ready to, to to at the start of camp? Is he going to be ready sometime in camp? Will he play in the preseason? This is a guy they're paying $17 million who has a, a cap hit of over $21 million this year and who is not the biggest guy in the world. His game is completely predicated on uh, get off, not even speed so much, Matt. This was an undrafted free agent because he's 6'1", 6'2", 250 pounds and, and didn't blaze a, a fast 40-yard dash time. Not that that's anything really when it comes to, to edge rushers. Mm-hmm. Look at Terrell Suggs, one of the slowest 40-yard dash times, still drafted in the first round, Hall of Fame career, right? I mean, yeah, 24 sacks at Arizona State. I think running like a four seven something four eight and the forty yard dash whatever it was, so I'm just saying, Shaq Barrett's calling card is his get off timing the snap that explosion that quickness off the ball, to be able to take the first step before the tackle moves, and an Achilles tendon injury can rob you of that, and that is really his bread and butter, and if he doesn't have that that quick burst off the ball, I'm just saying it right now, Shaq Barrett is average and that's scary for the Buccaneers heading into 2023 I won't speak for Jason Light in the front office I'm only speaking for myself I'm scared about the proposition for Shaq Barrett going into next season I'm probably more scared for just the overall outlook at outside linebacker for the Bucs heading into next season I mean starting with Shaq Barrett to your point he predicates his entire game off of speed. That's why you see him jump off sides half the time. And, right. you know, sometimes it's annoying if it's a third and three and you give the, the offense an automatic first down. That'll happen from time to time. But I think Fox fans would mostly sign up for that when you get the 19 and a half sack season, right. the double digit sack season from uh, two years ago that got him another Pro Bowl. And Shaq very much is a chess player or a boxer when he's out there i mean he talks about his arsenal of moves that he has or for a boxer it's like a jab it's a it's an undercut you know whatever you want to call it but you know he might not get there on the first five pass rushing opportunities on third down but he's setting you up for like the big strip sack and right shaq i think what he does i mean obviously his speed but what he uses with that speed where he'll get the first step and automatically he's ripping or swimming. He's getting that hand placement because the offensive tackle is so worried about his speed in that moment. It's almost right. like a step and hand placement combo yeah. all at once. And if Shaq doesn't have that speed, if if offensive linemen know that they don't – you obviously want to get a good push or a good first step every single time as a lineman. Yeah. But if you know that you can survive with another half second because of Shaq Barrett, Shaq doesn't really out-muscle anybody. You know, he's right. never going to – really throw his weight around, throw his strength yeah. around because he is that smaller size guy. And I think right. that sometimes that's why you've seen him, you know, he's had some awesome games. Like he had a hat trick in the playoffs 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, there are times like he'll go up against the Saints, and the Saints have bigger offensive yeah. tackles. Same with the Rams, too. Right? And the Rams, I mean, and they swallow Shaq up. Yeah. And I'm not really trying to dismiss Shaq Barrett because he's right. one of the best free agent signings that Jason Light and the entire Buccaneers organization has ever yeah. had. But there are clear flaws in his game. And when he can't rely on his best suit, which yeah. is his speed and his uh, diversity of, of pass rushing moves, Right. That is a major concern. And then you look at the rest of the outside linebacker room. I think it's great that Anthony Nelson is back, but how much better can Anthony Nelson get? That's right. what my concern is with Anthony Nelson. I think he's yep. a solid player. I think he's great for the role that yeah. he's in. And he obviously got more starting opportunities right. towards the end of the year. He kind of tops out at five, five and a half sacks. Though, exactly. Right? You know, th- that's the thing. And with JTS, he's topped out at four these last two years. All the physical tools in the world. But I mean... You know, it, it's he's he's got everything except the production, and you got to be able to close the deal, right? It's it's like being, it's like having um, you know a way with words in sales, right? And you, let's say you're you're charismatic, you're you know, good looking, and you you have product knowledge, but you just can't close. It doesn't matter at the end of the day, right? It's like it's did you get the sale? Did you make the sale? Right? That's what it is. It's it's you can be friendly, you can be nice, you can be, um, you know, uh, gregarious and and pleasant to deal with, and have a, you know give your your people a great experience that you're dealing with customer relation wise. But if you don't ask for the sale and close the deal, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. And and that's kind of the thing with with Joe Tryon Schwinke here. When you got a guy that misses as many or more sacks than he gets, it it's not it's not good enough, especially if you're talking about a guy that you spent a first round draft pick on, you know, and, and the team is concerned. They're worried because they expected with much more playing time that he got last year from the edge that he was going to, uh, I would say double, but they were hoping to at least double get to eight, maybe 10 sacks. And he was stuck at four. And I mean, you saw it, Matt, he and Anthony Nelson played every single friggin' snap for like the last three or four games of the season because mm-hmm. Carl Nassib was out. And of course, Shaq Barrett was out too. And uh, and they had to rely on these guys, and they just couldn't seal the deal. So there is some concern. And listen, this is Todd Bowles' side of the ball. This is his baby. The, the pass rush, the blitz packages, those types of things, he, he's concerned. He does not want – this is the first year where an outside linebacker in any stop, whether it's the Jets, whether it's the Cardinals, whether it's the Buccaneers, that an outside linebacker did not lead the team in sacks. You had a nose tackle. Vita Vea leads your team in sacks with six and a half. Todd Bowles will be damned if he's going to let that happen again. That's why you're seeing a lot of these edge rushers, and Nolan Smith was the latest today to come into the mix uh, of you know a, a one Buccaneer place and, and have a top 30 interview. Now, we'll get to these guys in just a minute in terms of breaking them down and, and kind of going through some of the top guys that they've met with either at the Combine or in these top 30 visits. But, Matt, you know, whether I'm picking first overall, whether I'm picking 19th overall, I mean, the number one draft pick has got to be a can of Celsius, does it not? Oh, it absolutely has to be. You have uh, seven essential vitamins, no crash, no uh, post jitters from energy drinks that you might get with some other products. Make sure you check out their new flavors. you got the Fantasy Vibe Sparkling Lemon Lime as well. Can't go wrong with any of the vibes either. You got the tropical and uh, Arctic vibes, the peach vibe as well. I mean, 
I would trade down for even more picks because you can get so many different flavors of uh, Celsius energy drinks. Can't go wrong with the strawberry lemonade as well, the sparkling watermelon, ton of different flavors to choose from. Um, if you want to find out where to go get a Celsius, go to the store locator on the Celsius website and put in your address or location, and it will let you know where the nearest 7-Eleven, Walmart, Target, convenience store, or your bodega, bodega, where to find it. We did it while we were in Indy, found it yes. in seconds, which was absolutely awesome. Yep. And then when you realize that you love Celsius and you want more, start getting it in bulk. I'd recommend getting the variety pack because why have one flavor of Celsius when you can have multiple and varieties of the spice? Go to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save, and have it sent to your house or apartment every week, monthly, quarterly, or yearly. Just uh, you know, make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks. The official sponsor of PewterReport.com. Shout out to Big Al saying, I had a fantasy vibe this morning. It tasted great. Saw a couple of other uh, comments in the chat talking about their uh, appreciation for Celsius as well. So thanks, everybody, for uh, supporting Celsius. We're big fans of it. Glad that you like it, too. Scott, there's one more thing I just wanted to say about Joe, sure. Joe Tryon Chayinka as we're discussing the Bucks, the Bucks edge rushers. I understand the whole argument of, well, his stats say that his QB pressures and his ability to get into the backfield is very high, and that's on a consistent level and the same level as, you know, Anthony Nelson. I like that he gets close, but, you know, you know the saying, close but no cigar. You have to finish. You have to get the job done. I mean, it's not just like he's a second away. It's like, oh, man, I'm so close. It's like he has his arms around the quarterback. And all of a sudden, the quarterback escapes. There are different ways of getting pressures and being there a second too late. But when you yeah. are, when there's nobody around except you and the quarterback, and you still can't take the quarterback down, that's what's frustrating about Joe Tryanchenko. Yeah. And he can easily prove everybody wrong if he keeps that same pressure rate up. And all of a sudden, those uh, the ones that got away turn into sack five, six, seven, eight, nine, yeah. and ten. Then I will say, all right, JTS. You're the man. You proved a lot of people wrong. But until he gets out of his way and starts taking that next step, yeah. I'm going to have my concerns about the overall edge rusher room like we talked about. Yeah. And it goes back to, you know, I just I still don't totally understand it. When Todd Bowles, after the season, was like, I would like more production from my edge rushers. I would. We need more production from right. outside linebacker. And then they brought Anthony Nelson back. And I'm sure they would like Carl yeah. Nassib back as well. We'll see what they do in the draft. But right. you have the same three guys. I mean, I guess Shaq is under contract yeah. and so is JTS, so there's no choices there. But Okay, well, there's there's one one important caveat about Shaq. And uh, Joe, uh, Joe trying to show you, I, I saw there was a question there. When is his fifth-year option up? He's entering year three of his, of his uh, you know, contract. And so he'll have two more years to play. And then he will have a fifth-year option if the team decides to pick it up. Now, when it comes to Shaq, Josh Capo from Pewterport just texted me, and I was just getting ready to say this, so it was great timing by Josh. Um, the Buccaneers have not restructured his deal. And th there's there's two big contracts that the Bucs can take a look at and, and create some more salary cap room because I think they're just under $2 million uh, right now with a little bit of cap room. Um, one of the players they're targeting, we talked about this yesterday. I, I kind of have it confirmed. Um, not where I'm going to write about it, but I'll tell you guys about it. 
is uh, the safety from uh, from Seattle, Ryan Neal. They're, the Bucks are, are trying to land him. So that's going to be the safety that they're going to go after prior to the draft. So we talked about that yesterday. Looks like we were right. They're trying to land him. We'll see if it happens. Could happen today or tomorrow. But that's that's their latest target of free agency, and that's probably the money that they have available where they're going to use that. But back to Josh's point, there are a couple of players, three really, that, that the Bucks could go to to create some cap room. Mike Evans is one. Problem is they'd have to give him a contract extension. He's in the final year of his deal. He already has some voidable years. And it's not bad, Matt, to keep this guy around, right? He's a steady producer, 1,000-yard seasons, right, nine in a row. He's only 30 years old, still playing at a very high level, averaged 14.6 yards per catch, which was actually an increase for him last year. Touchdowns were down, but I think that's going to change this year. So it makes sense to maybe do Mike, and you can save uh, somewhere between $7 million or so from the cap and, and giving him a, a contract extension. However, with Mike, it's probably going to have to come with the pay raise. Right now, Mike is making about $16.5 million um, per year on average with his deal. Chris Godwin's making 20. Matt, who's the better receiver, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin? It's close, but Mike Evans. Okay, so it's fair to say that Mike deserves at least $20 million, right? Okay, well, for a team that's so cap-strapped, and you don't have to pay that this year, but you're going to have to give Mike Evans a raise, right? Which they're going to have to kind of do because they need some more cap room. The other contract you can touch is Shaq Barrett. The problem is this team does not know what the future holds for Shaq Barrett. We saw uh, O.J. Howard struggle mightily coming back from a torn Achilles injury. It's a tough injury to come back from. And the fact that they haven't touched that contract yet lets me and Josh as well, and probably you too, Matt, believe that this team is giving itself some wiggle room. In case he doesn't come back, they can walk away from Shaq, ba- Shaq Barrett's deal in 2023 with very little salary cap uh, impact. Now, if they reduce this year's cap number and take some of this year's cap money and push it into previous to, to next year and the year after that mm-hmm. with the prorated bonus, then all you're doing is creating more and more and more dead cap money f- for future years. And the Bucks are trying to get out from under that this year because they've got like $75 million worth of dead cap space. So right now, the Buccaneers are clinging to the fact that they don't want to touch Shaq Barrett's contract. And that's a telling sign that I don't think that they're very confident that he's going to come back. And I think that's why they're looking at possibly drafting an edge rusher in the first round and and or if not the first, the second. And I think it's going to be edge rusher and offensive tackle or offensive tackle and edge rusher. I don't think that they can afford to necessarily go after a Brian Branch, even if he's there just because they need to get a solid edge rusher. And we'll take a look at these guys in just a minute or two here. And one more one more thing, too. Uh, you mentioned Chris Murray from Oklahoma at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's a day three kind of undrafted, um, you know, guard that will probably move to center. So why in the world would, would the Buccaneers be burning a top 30 visit on a guy like this? Well, sometimes – if, if a team really likes a player that they may not even draft in this, say the seventh round, um, they want to have him on a, on a recruiting visit to tell him how much they love him and how much they want him to sign with the Buccaneers. 
So sometimes a team will do that for guys that aren't first-round picks or even mid-round picks, but guys that are late day three priority free agent types so they can kind of build a relationship there. Meet the offensive line coaches, meet the head coach, the general manager. So if Chris Murray goes undrafted in the Buccaneers call, he's got a little bit of a rapport. He knows the lay of the land. He's met some people. There's a bit of a connection there. And the fact that they have talked to several centers, uh, Joe, uh, uh, I think it's Trittman. Yeah. From, um, from uh, Wisconsin. Tipman. Yeah. yeah. Tipman. Yeah. Tipman. He's, uh, he's got the great hair. Yeah. He, yeah the mullet. Yeah. Uh, Alex Forsythe from Oregon. Uh, Juice Scruggs from Penn State. The fact that they're sniffing around some centers and you've got Robert Hainsey on the roster already. You've got the highest paid center in the game and Ryan Jensen, who will be, I believe, 33 this year and Nick Leverett. I just wonder how confident this team is in Ryan Jensen's recovery because he came back to play in that Cowboys game. If you look at, look at the tape, it was kind of ugly. I know he was out there trying, and it was a remarkable comeback, but is he all the way back? Is he going to get back to that Pro Bowl level this year? You're paying Ryan Jensen a King's ransom as the highest-paid center at age 32, going to be 33. And I'm – wondering too if the Buccaneers are trying to hedge their bets a little bit with Jensen like they are with I mean, Barrett. It, it's a fair concern. I, I, I'm willing to give Jensen more benefit of the doubt merely for the fact that he already went through the recovery. Yes. And while there's still recovery to go, he's going to have a full training camp where as Shaq, he's still recovering. I mean, I remember at the combine, we asked about the, the progress of Shaq and yeah. it was kind of vague. It was, he is where he needs to be. That doesn't right. mean he's going to be ready by <laughs> training camp. He might not be ready until November exactly. for all we know, but he is where he needs to be. Isn't the most comforting of signs where Jensen, you know, will yeah. be ready by OTAs and, and training camp. I'm curious though, Scott, yeah. who would you be more concerned about Shaq Barrett or Ryan Jensen? Shaq Barrett, just because I, like you said, I, I think that's a fair point we've seen Ryan Jensen at least come back and take the field. Right. And, and hold his own. It wasn't pretty. Right. But he, it, you know, he was out there and probably rushed back a little bit. Right. They needed him to play because yeah. you didn't have Nick Leverett out there. Right. So they needed him to play in that game. If Nick Leverett is 100 percent healthy. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't start. Uh, maybe he doesn't play. I don't know. But but they needed him and he certainly did. So let's take a look at some of these these edge rushers now, and let's start with with a guy that really you know has a first round grade. He was in the building today and uh, or yesterday, and that's Nolan Smith from Georgia. Now I watch an awful lot of Georgia uh, games. I, I probably have seen ninety percent of the Georgia games over the last three years. I'm watching them live on on television, and I'll go back and watch some of them just to hone in on some of these draft prospects. I, I want to buy into Nolan Smith, and I'm having a really, really hard time doing it because of the lack of production. Right. All the measurables are there. The ability is there. I know that they rotate their players, but I'm telling you right now, uh, he's had enough opportunity to produce more than he has. And, and not just that, it's sometimes it's, it's, you know, who are you getting your sacks against? And let's take a look at Nolan Smith's career here first, and we'll go through some of the, of the guys that they've met formally with here. So 11 and a half sacks, that's a huge concern for a four-year player. Mm. And you can see there in 2019, two and a half sacks, two and a half sacks, three and a half sacks, three sacks. Okay, now to be fair, 
He injured his peck against the Florida Gators and missed just a little bit less than half the season for his final year. Okay. There's still a concern there for, for a team that, that is trying to coax more sacks out of JTS. I think this team wants a more proven pass rusher, a guy with production, 11 and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, fumble recovery, interception, block punt. He's got all the ability in the world. I will say this about Georgia, and I, I'm a huge Georgia Bulldog fan. My wife, Ashley, is from Georgia, so I, I Georgia's my number two team after Kansas State. I, I watch a ton of Georgia, so I'm not trying to throw any shade against the two-time national champions. But, Matt, if you go back and look at USC with with uh, you know uh, Lendale White and Reggie mm-hmm. Bush and Matt Liner, this might be a little bit before your time. You're younger than me, but I'm just oh, saying. Oh no, I, yeah, I mean, that, okay, you know, you know what I mean, like electrifying guy in college football. But yeah, yeah I remember the Lendale White. It was a, well. I think Steve Smith was a wide receiver. It was a star-studded, um, you know, Trojans offense. It it was it was the equivalent of the the Georgia defense. But if you took the parts away from the whole. Matt Leinart was not the quarterback without Reggie Bush, right? Reggie yeah. Bush and Lendale White. Reggie Bush never lived up to the expectations. Lendale White certainly didn't either, right? And so mm-hmm. none of those USC guys, and some of them were first-round picks, of course, but they never lived up to the draft billing because they were better together. And I think that's what we're going to see with some of these guys like Trayvon Walker and Nolan Smith and, and some of these, you know, even Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they're going to have the individual success that's going to match their draft billing. And you look at these sacks here, Murray State, one and a half sacks. Missouri, it's a bad Missouri team. Arkansas, one and a half sacks. One sack against Missouri. Had a sack against Clemson, half a sack against South Carolina. A couple, what I want to term quality sacks against Michigan and Alabama in the playoffs there. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Kent State, Missouri, Vanderbilt. I'm just saying, where are the sacks against you know, uh, Alabama, Tennessee, Auburn? Kentucky, some of, of the upper echelon teams in the SEC, right? LSU, where's where are the sacks, right? So I, I, I'm just a little concerned that that even even though the sack production isn't there with 11 and a half sacks, I mean, more than half those sacks are against kind of chump teams, right? Kent State, Missouri, yeah. Vanderbilt, uh, Murray State. Um, you know, I, I don't know. You, you got 11 and a half sacks, three of them are against Missouri. You got one and a half against uh, Murray State, Kent State. Uh, I want to see good on good. I want to see you going up against a a future first round left tackle, and let's yeah. see you beat that guy to get down a, a quarterback. Right. So um, sacks are individual plays. I understand he's got some pressures. I understand his pressure rate is is okay. Um, if he was all that, he would be on the field more, and he would have produced more. Right. And I just don't think right now when this team, the Buccaneers are looking for a player to get to the quarterback and get him on the ground, that this guy is enough, especially at 6-2-238, Matt, your thoughts. Yeah. And sometimes numbers don't always tell the story. But I would say to the point with, um, you know, with the lack of production, how many times do we see a prospect, especially like an edge rusher that didn't really have production in college all of a sudden? turn into Superman or whoever your favorite, uh, whoever your favorite superhero is. Um, how many, how many times do they all of a sudden turn into like the next big thing at the the college level? Usually, especially at edge rusher, 
Um, you're already doing it um, at college. And then I mean, you just Shaq kinda... Barrett, he's an outlier, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, and Shaq's, you know, that's the crazy exception to the story. I'm even yes, more talking correct. about guys that, you know, you love their physical traits or you love this. And they, they end up going in the first three rounds based on potential. We talk about that a lot with quarterbacks, but not necessarily the case um, with edge rusher. And, you know, there are things to like about Nolan Smith. Uh, he's very quick off the edge, a pretty good, you know, dip and everything like that. Uh, the Tord Peck, obviously, uh, honestly, I should say, concerns me. Um, that's obviously a, a tough injury. And obviously, you know, you're coming back from it and everything. And well, is, is that it more concerns me? Is that a sign of like, he's going to get injured again at the NFL level? And then also like as a power rusher, you know, at times doesn't always get to the quarterback at the timely manner that it's needed. I just don't think right now the Bucks can afford to take a guy that doesn't already have, like bring a little bit more to the table. If you get yeah, I agree. Saying. Like if JTS is already, there's a lot of vagueness about outside linebacker, specifically on the Bucks, And Nolan Smith to me is kind of vague as well. So I yeah. don't, I'm not in love with the idea of right. Nolan Smith, but you know, the Bucks brought him in. So maybe they brought him in to ask him about another Georgia player. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So the the second guy we're going to go to is is Derek Hall because I've talked to a lot of, of kind of people in the draft community. And uh actually we're not. We're gonna go to Will McDonald next because I, I believe he is he is probably a, a guy that that is gonna be a potential late first, early second round player. And uh, listen, I saw plenty of Will McDonald. I am ready for this guy who played five years at Iowa State to get the hell out of the Big 12. Mm -hmm. right? He tormented Kansas State and not just K-State, but uh, a lot of, of, uh, of teams. So this is what uh, he was able to do. Uh, 34 career sacks, 10 forced fumbles, 10 forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, seven pass breakups. Okay, so this is his career there. He was a, a five-year, you know, COVID year super senior. Uh, one sack. His first sack was against TCU. Very limited playing time in 2018. He was still a backup in 2019. Six sacks. Uh, you can see what he did there. Uh, TCU, Texas. Two against a pretty, yeah, okay, K-State team at that time. Ten and a half sacks really kind of burst on the scene in 2020. Um you know, half a sack against Oklahoma, a sack against K-State, a sack against Oklahoma because uh, uh, they played in the, the Big 12 championship game again, and then a sack against Oregon, 11 and a half sacks. So this guy's a, a, a proven producer, back-to-back -back double-digit sack uh, seasons for him, sack against Baylor, two more against K-State. And he can get some in bunches, right? Oklahoma State, two sacks, two and a half sacks against Texas, another half sack against Oklahoma, a sack against TCU. Last year, the sacks were down. Um, the thing that he brings to the table is even though he's 6'3, 238, similar size to, to Nolan Turner, he's got incredibly long arms. He's got a, a wingspan that's close to, you know, somebody who's like 6'8, 6'9. So he's got incredibly long arms. He's got uh, all the proven pass rush moves that you need. He is polished as can be. He was a down-in, down-out player, unlike Nolan Smith, who was a kind of a wave guy because there's so much talent at Georgia. They have to rotate all of the young freshmen and sophomores in there. But Will McDonald stayed on the, on the field. Now, he was not just a 3-4 a, a outside linebacker, Matt, and I watched a ton of Iowa State games being a Big 12 guy. 
he would line up over the tackle as one of the three down linemen, okay, and and really kind of get in there, cause some havoc. There he sack in Caleb Williams when he was at Oklahoma. Um, and, and the one thing that Jason Light really likes about defensive linemen, and we'll call outside linebackers because they're on the defensive line, especially in, in, in nickel pass rush situations, what he likes about them is the ability to break up passes. Mm-hmm. Right, This guy's got seven pass breakups. That's more than any of the guys that we're going to talk about today. And he got double teamed an awful lot last year in Iowa State. Had a down year. They lost some talent to the NFL. Um, he decided to to play one more year and probably should have come out after the 2021 season. Didn't hurt his draft stock because he's so productive. But the the sack numbers fell. You can see he tagged us again twice at K-State. He killed Kansas State. I mean, <laughs> he two killed sacks us. 2019, oh, one yeah. 2020, and then two. I want to say uh, out of his 10 forced year. fumbles, um, 10 forced fumbles, he got four or five of those against K-State. And we actually have an offensive line that returns all of its starters from last year. And we're going to have at least two guys that are legit pro prospects, probably day two guys. So he's doing it against really good competition. He's going up against uh, Anton Harrison at, at, at uh, Oklahoma. I mean, there's, there's a lot of uh, Steve Avila at TCU. There's a lot of quality offensive linemen he's gone up against. And um, it, it, the resume speaks for itself. This guy is a prototypical 3-4 Todd Bowles, long pass rushing guy with speed. And uh, he is probably in consideration at 19 or the Bucks could trade down and see if they could get him later in the first round. He is, I believe, to be one, one of the guys they're really interested in. I would say, out of outside of your guy from Kansas State, I probably enjoyed watching Will McDonald's tape. He's a beast. The most. I mean, <laughs> the big moment sacks. I mean, he made some big plays against, uh, it was 2021, but against Iowa. And I know, like, Iowa, Iowa State, yeah. maybe not for everyone is a big deal, but it's, it's for those huge, two teams, that's a yeah. huge deal. You know, yeah. that is a It's for the Cyhawk Trophy. It's, it's yeah. big. Yeah. I mean, it's, he clobbers quarterbacks when he's out there. And yeah. he... And that's why you see all the forced fumbles. You mentioned the speed, but I think his upper body strength too is it kind of goes a little bit under the radar yeah. because he is kind of uh he's not like the muscular statue, kind of like right. Derek Hall is, or we've right. seen with Joe Tryon Shoenka. He's more of a slim fit type yeah. of dude. But I mean, there are times that he comes around the edge and the linemen are holding him on the play. Yeah. And he's he does everything that Joe Tryon Shoenka didn't do, which is like right. he'd go with one arm and still wrap around the quarterback yeah. and either knock the ball loose or at least hold him and wrap him up and take him to the ground so that the quarterback's not getting out of there. The production is off the charts. He's a really exciting player to watch. Gets off well. And he lined up on both sides of the ball. You mentioned lining up like over center, which obviously is music to yeah. Todd Bowles' ears, but I like the fact that he lined up on uh, on both sides of the line of scrimmage as well. That goes a long way for the versatility and uh, everything that Todd Bowles likes. So I'm in on Will McDonald. I think it'd be great if they too. got him there or <laughs> now, they now wanna, listen. they want to move him back. That's fine. I'm telling you right now, um, I wouldn't mind this team getting Felix and a Duque from Kansas State on, on the Buccaneers. I like Felix. Um, I'm telling you right now, Will McDonald is the better prospect. I take my purple glasses off and I'm being completely honest and transparent. Will McDonald is the better player. He's a better athlete than Felix is. And that's why we're going to skip over Felix and go to the next guy who I think is on the Bucks board as an early to mid second round guy. And that's Derek Hall. And again, another player, the Bucks interviewed at the combine with a formal interview. And Matt, 
I think Jason Light's got a thing for Auburn players, don't you? Does he? Does he? <laughs> Carlton Davis. Jamel Dean. Jamel Dean. AJ Britt. KJ Britt. Uh, also, Peyton Barber was, was an Auburn yeah, uh, War Eagle Tiger as well. So here's the thing with Derek Hall. He is battle-tested in the SEC and um, a four-year player, but really didn't play. He wasn't a true starter until the last two years. So did not get a sack the first year. Had four sacks as a sophomore. Two against LSU, two against Mississippi State. I like guys that can get sacks in bunches because it tells me they have the ability to take over a game. It's not a fluke when you get – sometimes it can be a fluke when you get one. When you're getting two, two and a half, three, it means you're whipping that dude's ass in front of you. And, and you're, you, you can catch fire and get some sacks in bunches. So here's a guy that, that did what Nolan Smith didn't do. Two sacks against LSU, two against Mississippi State, three against Alabama. I'll say that again, three against Alabama. That's, that's Bryce Young. Two sacks against Mississippi State, two against Missouri, right? 19 and a half career sacks, five forced fumbles. He can get the ball out a fumble recovery, and interception. This is a guy that, as you see, Matt, is not allergic to the weight room, right? No. <laughs> He's, he is a chiseled dude who ran, a, a, I believe, a, a 4-5-3 at, at the combine. And, uh, you know, he gets the ball out, forces fumbles. That's something the Buccaneers desperately need. They need to create more takeaways. And he is just a big-time physical hitter that's got some, some speed, some uh, some juice off the edge. Uh, he's kind of a nasty player. I think this team does need some nasty. Agreed. And and um, uh, I, I like the demeanor with which he brings it. And and I liked what he said at the combine, just in terms of him being a uh, a, a physical, tough, hard nosed player. And again, I like the production. Nine sacks. It tells me you can have a dominant season. Six and a half sacks. And you get a little bit more attention, more notoriety. And Omri didn't have a great year last year, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So um, they don't take those numbers with a grain of salt. But um, I like Derek Hall better than I like Nolan Smith. And this is a guy that maybe the Buccaneers, if they trade down into the second round or if they trade up into the second to get him, I'm okay with because I think this guy can real play. You know, when you look at the Bucs defense – they have attitude, but, you know, they have it at linebacker. They have it at corner. You know, Carlton Davis has attitude. Anton Winfield Jr. is one of the best players at safety at his position in the in the NFL. But on the defensive line and edge rusher, I don't know if the Bucs necessarily have attitude. You know, like Vita Bay yeah. is a great player, but he's not an in-your-face type of guy. He's more of nice a guy. lead by example, nice guy. Shaq Barrett, much more of a finesse type of player. JTS, nice guy. Nice guy. Um, you know, Anthony Nelson, the good old Midwest farm boy, you know? Yeah, <laughs> um, nice guy. Yeah, I think the yeah, the Bucks need Where's a Where's that Indomitian Sue, Matt? Where's yes, that JPP? That Where's that yes, Warren Sapp, that fire-breathing ass kicker up front that you need to help set the tempo and set the tone? You couldn't have you said know? it any better. A fire-breathing ass kicker. And yeah. I think with Hall that physicality, that nastiness in your face, I think is really intriguing for this Bucks pass rushing room. Bring in that physicality, yeah. you know? And, you know, JTS is physical. Anthony Nelson has physical traits to him. But I think right. with Paul, it's a little bit different. And he's still developing, like, as a pass rusher. He's oh, pretty yeah. solid as yeah. a run stopper. Hasn't fully reached his potential going after the quarterback. Now, right. 
there is the the gamble of does he ever reach that potential? Yeah. Uh, but you know, there's going to be a gamble with all of these prospects in the NFL, with the exception of like two or three that right. go early in the draft. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I just I want them to bring in different types of players that are already yeah. that they don't have on the on the defensive line. We, we've I, seen I enough agree. tall guys. We've seen enough yep. lanky guys. Bring in someone new, different. As Nathan Elliott says, find a monster. Yeah. Find a monster. For real. Yeah, great yeah. comment, Nathan. Um, so, you know, another guy, too, for everyone out there screaming, gosh, do not draft an edge rusher early. There are a dime a dozen. This is a deep draft. You know, uh, get an offensive tackle in the first round. Okay, well, that's fine. But Will McDonald's not going to be there at 50. I doubt Derek Hall will be there at 50. Now, this guy might be at 50. And this is why Todd Bowles was out there at Kansas State on Friday at the Kansas State Pro Day, looking at not just him, but also Julius Brents, the monster six-foot-three pterodactyl corner, uh, Deuce Vaughn, uh, the running back, and Malik Knowles. Those are some draftable Wildcats. But uh, Felix Anodike Ozama could be there with uh, with the Buccaneers. We had him in our second round uh, in one of our, our mock drafts on Pewter Report. In in his two years as a starter, now he had one sack in 2019. God, I think he played like 15 plays. And matter of fact, his first career play as a uh, a redshirt uh, freshman was against KU. His very first play, he got a sack. So they probably should have played him more, but they didn't. So the next year, he's a full time starter. Boom, 11 sacks. And again, a guy that can get sacks in bunches: three sacks against Southern Illinois, four sacks against. Max Duggan uh, from um, TCU, three sacks against Texas Tech, plus he had a safety, 20 and a half career sacks, essentially in two years. So this is a guy that that really kind of like Derek Hall, 19 and a half sacks, but Hall got some of those sacks in three years. Felix really got them in two and was the Big 12 defensive player of the year this past year in 2021, helping K-State win the Big 12 championship. Uh, where he also had another sack against Max Duggan in that game. Um, eight forced fumbles. He is very much like Will McDonald. He would get the ball out. This is a, a player that that has got a, a tremendous amount of bend. Played exactly like Felix uh, or Felix and Will McDonald. Pretty much the same type of defense, a three-four front, but not just a stand-up outside linebacker like he will play in Todd Bowles' scheme. He, along with McDonald, Matt played over the tackle, sometimes even in the B-gap as, as a kind of a four-I um, defensive lineman, as a, as a, a three-down defensive lineman rather than an edge rusher. So he's used to getting in there, taking on double teams, banging away, and stuffing the run. He had a safety against Texas Tech uh, in, on an amazing run play. Uh, so the thing is, he's not the athlete that – Nolan Smith is. He's not the athlete Derek Hall is. He's not the athlete Will McDonald is. He didn't run the 40-yard dash at the Combine. He said he had a foot injury. He didn't run it at his pro day. He said he had a groin injury. Usually when you don't run, Matt, it means you don't want that time known because mm -hmm. it's not real fast. So <laughs> fine, whatever. The tape doesn't lie. But this is a probably late second round slash early third round guy. Don't believe the hype. He's not a first round candidate. He's probably not in the top 40 picks. He is a maybe mid, probably late second round and an early third round guy. But uh, Felix brings a lot of intensity. He is a tireless guy. He brings some swagger. 
Uh, they call him King Felix at K-State. And he showed up big in some big games, it can turn the corner, and, and he always has those long arms out ready to force fumbles. I wouldn't mind if Will McDonald, Derek Hall, or Felix Sanodike Ozama would become a Buccaneer, Matt. I almost felt when I was watching him, if he was going after the quarterback. Now, that picture you just had up, he's to the back of the quarterback. But I almost felt like he would almost target the football before he even was going yeah. after the quarterback, which is obviously a good trait, but an important for the Bucs that did not get many strip sacks last yeah. year. I remember one of the fumbles they they recovered from the quarterback. It was just like a botched snap or whatever it was. Right. It wasn't even a play that the Bucs really forced. But I enjoyed watching his tape, like I said earlier. Not the quickest guy, but has a little more of that defensive end slash edge rusher build that I kind of yeah. like seeing. Yeah, and he's 255, than, right? He's yeah. he's uh, 12 pounds heavier than Will McDonald. But he's not the right. athlete McDonald is. But he's still a good athlete. It's just McDonald is a really damn good athlete. Yeah, but that's where – and McDonald, you know, we were praising him for – or at least I was for his, you know, his upper body strength. And if he can prove that against offensive tackles, then all right, great. And then you found an awesome product there. But I feel with Anudike Uzama, you have a better shot just going head-to-head with like a bigger offensive tackle that might swallow you up or might just engulf McDonald. I feel like with Felix, you'd have a better chance of like overall kind of um, attacking, attacking that type of obstacle yeah. um, in front of him. But yeah, exciting player. When you take the ball away, I mean, that immediately jumps out to me because that's obviously number one on the Bucks radar is uh, getting those turnovers. So yep. yeah, I'm for it. So the other guy is, is Isaiah McGuire, probably a day three guy. There's a chance he's maybe a late third round pick probably a fourth round pick. So if the Buccaneers address some other needs early, Matt, such as um, say offensive tackle in the first round safety in the second, maybe they, they wait until the third round. They miss on Felix and Adike Ozama. Isaiah McGuire is a player that they could get a, a bigger guy, about 266 pounds. So he's, he's way bigger than the Nolan Smith and McDonald. And he's bigger than Felix and Adike Ozama. Uh, six, five. He's, he's, he's probably, not as lean as Joe Tryon Schwenka, probably a little bit more muscle mass there. And you can see, again, the production here. 17 and a half sacks, was a, a two-year starter at Missouri. He was a senior, so that he played at the Senior Bowl. Four forced fumbles. Not the guy that's going to take the ball away as much as, as Felix or Will at Iowa State and K-State. But uh, this this guy, can he can also get the job done. Look at the production. A sack against Tennessee, Mississippi State. Yeah, you know, all these guys have sacks against Central Michigan and Louisiana Tech, et cetera. He had a sack against K-State, a sack against Auburn, two sacks against uh, South Carolina, a uh, pair of sacks against Mississippi State his sophomore year, and then ended his uh, senior year with two sacks against Arkansas. So he can get some sacks in bunches as well. Uh, not as explosive, not as quick as Nolan Smith, Will McDonald, Derek Hall, Felix Enodike Ozama. But Isaiah McGuire is a player that can win with power and um, and and has enough length to really kind of uh, reach around the tackle, grab the quarterback for a sack, knock the ball away, things like that. Yeah, and it goes back to what we were talking about with just overall having a physical type of player that maybe the Bucs don't necessarily have. Um, 
I don't worry as much about a guy that was on a team that didn't always perform as well. And obviously Missouri, um, you know, probably hasn't been good since the Brad Smith days. Shout out to right. Brad Smith. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, for a, for a mid round pick, I don't really have a problem with it at all. Um, yeah. I just, you know, a little bit slower. That's all right. I mean, they have the speed with JTS. So, yeah. He's going to win with power. That that's how he's going to do. It. And he's a powerful player. But he's got enough enough moves. He's got a good inside move. There's there's some tools there to work with. That uh, that I think the Buccaneers that come away with any one of these players uh, would would certainly bolster and increase their their pass rush from the outside. And that's what they need. So they're going to have to invest at some point in time early in this draft, Matt, on on an edge rusher just to safeguard themselves in case Shaq Bear does not come back to anywhere close to 100%, or the Joe Tryon Shoinka just isn't that guy they thought he was going to be. If you're going to do some investing, Matt, where would you do it? You do it at Immuni Financial. At Immuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track. So you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. Ah, don't go to Colorado. Go to Kansas State. Go to Iowa State. Go to Auburn. Go to Missouri. Get one of these these pass rushers, man. Uh, that, that's what Todd Bowles needs. He needs another edge rusher to bring that pass rush. And uh, if you need. You know, the equivalent of a good pass rush from your financial advisor, well, why not get it from Immuni Financial? They've got experience. They've got the production, folks. They've been doing this since 1980, all across the country. So not just in the Tampa Bay area, not just in the state of Florida, but all across the country. Immuni Financial has been helping clients. Do what? Plan ahead so you can stay ahead. Managing your family's wealth means more to Muni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It's legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services. 40 years of experience, folks. 40 years of production. Let Muni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Give them a call at 1-800-868-6864 or visit them on the web at immuni.com. Speaking of uh, finances, we'd be remiss if we didn't get to this super chat yeah. from Bill Johnson. Thank you, Bill, for this $5 super chat. Bill says, did Brian Branch run, ran, run, ran, but run another 40 at Bama's Pro Day? Do you think there are any MJ Stewart vibes of not having enough speed to hang in the slot? Yeah, uh, he did not run another 40-yard dash. He stood by that time, which means that's probably about as fast as he was going to be um, most slot receivers are four five, four, six guys. I think that he can hang. Sometimes you play, you play faster on, on grass, on turf. When you have the shoulder pads on, when the ball's in the air, than you do when you're running the track at, uh, at Indy or your pro day, uh, there's football speed and there's, there's 40 speed. I think he's got enough football speed. And I think that his instincts, make up for it. He's not a burner though. He's not a super fast guy. Uh, one, one of the, of the safeties we had in our latest mock draft in the seventh round, Brandon Hill, the fastest cornerback, fastest safety at the combine, the Buccaneers had a zoom call with him. So there is some interest there. So that's another guy we've kind of told you all about. Um, but uh, a couple of other quick questions here before we get out of here. Hey, Scott, what about 
Andre Carter from Army. No. Um, the kid from Army had 15 sacks. Uh, his junior year faced double teams. His senior year due to Army weight, height restrictions, he couldn't bulk up. Army kid would be a project, but he has the numbers. Matt, take it away. <laughs> we watched him at the senior bowl, and listen, I respect Not all good. of our military. It was disrespectful yes. what the other players at the senior bowl were doing to our troops. Um, he yeah. just did not he did not do well. Uh, he got yeah. beat up at the point of the ball being snapped, whether it was one on one, whether it was eleven on eleven. Yeah, he got overmatched over and over again, and I don't know if putting on more weight would even really help him that much. I yeah. I respect him, but I am not a fan. I don't think the Bucks should go not a fan anywhere either. near that. Yeah, they did not interview him at the combine. They did not really talk to him much at the Senior Bowl. They didn't have to. They saw what he was. He is uh, a player that that has a long way to go. He's not a good athlete. He has length and. Um, a day three project is really what he is. He is not anywhere close to, to being the player that uh, that he was um, hyped to be. And we saw him in some first round mocks like December, January and all that. And it's like, no, not even close. Wow. Um, folks, uh, I don't have a, a little catchy segue. That's that's not going to penalize us. I think we've had the best show we've ever had. Yeah, we've had a great. I don't have a little gimmicky segue to get into age rejuvenation. So I'm just going to play the video that I'm going to talk about age rejuvenation. We'll get out of here, okay? As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. Oh, man, yes. Age rejuvenation, folks. I can't talk about age rejuvenation enough. Why? Because with age rejuvenation, I feel better. And I'm going to turn 51. That sounds really old because it is. Later this month, on April 23rd. And I'm not excited about it, except I feel great. I feel better at age 51 than I felt at age 49 or 48. Because I found out I had low testosterone. That's normal. Most men in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s have low testosterone. Get yours checked today at Age Rejuvenation. Uh, sign up for a free, no risk, no obligation consultation at agerejuvenation.com. There's five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. And you can save some money by mentioning Pewter Report in your first treatment. So it's a fantastic deal. Look younger, get rid of that mental fog, have more energy, attack your workouts. Age Rejuvenation. And after you check out Age Rejuvenation, make sure you please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Pewter Report TV. Also, uh, follow us on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Pewter Report. And like I said, YouTube, Pewter Report TV. Have some videos out every day from the podcast, various clips that go on. So uh, if you enjoy all the content, do us a favor, like and subscribe. Takes you two seconds. It's absolutely free. So I uh, just want to say again, thanks to everybody for watching the show. We appreciate all the interaction and yeah. the conversation that went on today. Great stuff today, guys. Thank you, Peter so, people. For Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we will see you tomorrow night at 7 p.m. for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. Pass rush, baby. Edge rusher.